geekier than a CNN commentator, it's Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast every week on the Laser Time Network. I'm your host, Henry Gilbert, that is H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G, on Twitter. Boom! How can anyone still be here? And hey, we're here, uh, they, they're here because they want to learn all about the world of comic books, graphic novels, and our exclusive superhero spotlights where we tell about the yeah. history of every classic superhero, one character at a time. That's Brett Elston. Hey, Brett. Hi. Man, I still get this. How and nice. also, we're here with The Walking Dave, Dave Rudden. And Christopher Antista is here for the first segment. Hi, Chris. Ahoy, uh, hoy. <laughs> hey, I'm come sorry. on. No, yeah, no. Spread it around. Spread it no. around. Nope. There you get both Here, of them. how about, come I'm going to reach over. Oh, how about them combine? Uh, I'm going yeah. to reach across your keyboard, Henry. Okay. I'm going to push a letter at random. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Hey, welcome. Correct. <laughs> uh, how's it been going, guys, in the world of comic books? You've well, been uh, comic booking it up? Well, in uh, a work. bit of inside baseball, we just streamed Superman NES. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can find I the archive. be more mad at the uh, genre of comic books for making <laughs> that possible. Uh, and also, can... Marvel.com has locked you out, Chris. Locks me out. I have no Dang. Marvel accounts. And uh, I'm pretty sure comic book gave you a paper cut earlier today, too. <laughs> Would you say you lost your Marvels? <laughs> you have no marvels, and uh, and also we uh, inside baseball again. We made a pretty neat little video. I think that uh, I think uh, listeners of this podcast eventually will we'll enjoy see. at some point. Yeah, I, I just want to give them some insight here. But speaking of insights, and let's get into the history of a certain character in this week's superhero spotlight. He's about to make another of his live action appearances. His third? Fourth. Mm -hmm. Fourth character to play him in live action. It is The Punisher Mm -hmm. about to premiere in Daredevil Season 2. What's his deal? Why don't we listen to his origin ourselves? My whole family died in a mob hit. I should have died too. I took enough bullets, but I lived. I finally figured out why. The ones who killed my family, the saints, and all the other scum. They've given me a reason to live. I'm back. And it's their turn to die. Is that Tom Jane? That's Tom Jane. That is Tom Jane from the Punisher video game because he did the voice in the game. They hired him for it. That That game is pretty good. It's. I happen to notice it's one of the only games from the Xbox period on your shelf or something like that. Yeah, I have a weird mini. So yeah, I have a weird mini Punisher shrine. I have the first appearance. I have a sealed copy of this game. And then I think there's some figure from the 80s or 90s in there. Oh, no. It's a seal. It's such a sad sealed box because it has this horrible, horrible yeah. of the era sticker on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was made by Volition, who would later go on to do these Saints Row games, wow. and it was them showing off their crazy, it's a good uh, game, man. violent abilities there. But Brad, you spoke of his first appearance. Yes. Frank Castle's first appearance was in Amazing Spider-Man 129, February 1974, and his credited co-creators are writer Jerry Conway and John. Ramita Sr. Mm. Now, he wasn't the artist on the issue. The artist was Ross Andrew, who is an mm. amazing artist, and the guy who did the cover was Gil Kane. Ah. So why is it John Ramita Sr., you well, ask? Why, Henry? Well, because at the time, he, he his official job was the art editor, and mm. so when the, the system in the early 70s was... I've come up with this idea for a character. Let's take it to John Romita Sr. At the time, he was just John Romita. Let's take it to him, and he'll show us how to design this character. He'll make it up. That's why he's also the credited co-creator of 
Wolverine. Mm. He drew the first drawing of Wolverine. And Jerry Conway wanted to create this character who would be an anti-hero type character. Uh, his first appearance was fighting Spider-Man. He was tricked. Spider-Man was wanted for murder of Norman Osborn because Norman Osborn had died like seven issues earlier pretty much and nobody knew he was a green goblin and he thought spider-man was possible so here's this guy's a vigilante didn't have much origin explained he was just a crazy vigilante in a skull shirt and he was like i'm gonna kill spider-man too and it's it's one of the like iconic comic book covers yeah, it's a great cover he's got spider-man dead in his sights just uh in, in spider-man's just like prone it, and in this weird it's position. a very compromised position yeah yeah it's a great a great, great cover. Now, Conway wanted to call him the Assassin. Mm. And it was actually Stan Lee who changed it to the Punisher wow. because he was around and heard from Conway, oh, this guy's going to be the Assassin. And Stan Lee said, well, you know, in Fantastic Four, we had a character named the Punisher. And we haven't used him in a while. Put that as his name. <laughs> no, that's not a bad impression. That was good. That's, that's the good. best Stan mine. Lee I've ever done. <laughs> Uh, are they both the same person? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was set up from the beginning what his powers were, that he is an awesome marksman, a mm-hmm. uh, militaristic dude in awesome shape, can beat a, but a human with no powers, mm-hmm. has a huge arsenal, and like Spider-Man beats him in hand-to-hand in the first appearance. Once they start fighting, Spider-Man's like, yeah, all right, punch, there, you're down, you're down, old Frank. <laughs> Spider-Man lets him go, and there's this weird thing where Spider-Man says... Boy, uh, his problems make mine look like a piece of cake. And and like this weird jokiness in the last panel there. Uh, From then on, like he made sporadic appearances throughout the 70s, mostly in Amazing, in Amazing Spider-Man. He was just poised to be like a Spider-Man villain for the rest of his life. Yeah, or just an anti-hero for Mm. Spider-Man to see. Kind of like the background characters like the Prowler or Morbius Mm. or whatever. All those 70s dudes who would just appear every few issues of Spider-Man. He fought Captain America around that time too. Spider-Man teamed up with Nightcrawler and they came at crossroads with Punisher. Uh, but it actually wasn't that long until Punisher got his background as a Vietnam War vet. It happened in two comics that kind of just melded together in the same thing. And they were both written by Jerry Conway. Uh, and that's Marvel Preview Number 2 and Marvel Super Action Number 1, which shows they didn't have much faith in Punisher. They're just like, look, put a single Punisher story in this side book. Who see, see what people give a crap about mm-hmm. it. And that's when they set up the origin Punisher just mentioned in the clip, which is family killed in a mafia hit. Well, the crossfire yeah, of a mafia hit. They are hit, killed yeah. in the crossfire of a mafia hit. He shot two. He lives and is going to get his revenge on the mafia. And then he decides to have a war on all crime. He doesn't take prisoners. He shoots them in the face. And that's also when they set up his Vietnam background, which has had to shift over time Mm -hmm. because it can't be, it can't be hooked to Vietnam for a time. It was a desert storm thing. Well, I I, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but in the two thousands that, Nam comes back. Yeah, the Nam stuff comes yeah. back, yeah. But though even into the 80s, the Vietnam thing was his thing because there was this Marvel comic that was very celebrated at the time that now nobody talks about, which was Nam the book. Like yes. It was called The Nam. The Nam. And he has, it's mainly not tied to Marvel, but he has a guest appearance in it, which I feel like was just to sell books or whatever. Right. Uh, but yeah, so he just has all these random appearances, but then a big change happens for him. In there was Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Fifteen, September nineteen eighty-three. It's a really fun little story, but the important part is it is drawn by Frank Miller. It is mm. one of Frank Miller's first Marvel books, mm. but he's only the artist on it. 
But clearly, Frank got an affection for Punisher, who'd only had like a dozen appearances up right. to this point. In like eight years. Because a year later, six months later, Frank takes over Daredevil as writer and artist. There you go. And in the most, I'd say the most important stretch of time for, for Daredevil in that run... Night, issue 181 to 185, mm-hmm. which is right after Elektra's death, that's when Punisher comes in. And that is like, even though he started as a Spider-Man villain, he's much better as a Daredevil nemesis because Daredevil is all about the law, mm-hmm. but he skates the line between yeah. legality, but he still respects the law. He Meanwhile, He's you not going to kill people. He, like. Yeah, he doesn't kill people, and he wants to try people for their crimes. Meanwhile, Frank Castle... He, it's the law of the street and him and Daredevil just have fights about it's kind of what you're seeing in the trailers for the new yeah. show they have battles of an ethical dilemmas just as much as they do with their yeah. fists and they come to blows and it's an interesting dynamic because Daredevil won't kill Punisher because he doesn't and Punisher mm. really doesn't want to kill Daredevil, Daredevil because he knows he's right yeah because yeah. 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 they and both but like they're both they, Catholics too they both, yeah. they both have Catholic guilt in, used in a different way he's a nice oh, wow. Italian boy to Frank <laughs> so have they had a Castle. fight in a church where they're both yelling about the law i would bet at some point that has <laughs> let's happened. say somewhere yeah. in 30 years but yes they like reading some of the what the punisher knights or what was it called marvel, marvel knights? knights punisher like they retroactively set up like hell's kitchen as punisher's turf as well yeah yeah they both operate in there they, yeah, both... they want to protect the neighborhood for the same reasons against the same people they just have different mm-hmm. methods of going about it and it should be for make for a very interesting yeah. netflix binge yeah. yeah i cannot wait to see that all right so he does that stuff in, in the Frank Miller books, but also Spectacular Spider-Man 82, Bill Mantlo writes this story where he doesn't seem to have a very high opinion of the Punisher, and he decides that the Punisher should go crazy and not just shoot at drug dealers or criminals who mm-hmm. deserve it, in quotes, but like he shoots at a litterer. He shoots at a guy <laughs> having an argument at his wife. Like yeah. it's He goes nuts, and he's taken to jail, and he's like, why don't people see the world the way I do? This is all a corrupt system, man. It's like... <laughs> Bill, a lot like Ren in Space Madness. Yeah. It, he, <laughs> he gets Space Madness. He really does. And it's nuts. But but the like two months later, Punisher gets his own solo miniseries. A five-issue miniseries. It's a great written, cover, too. Written by Stephen Grant, art by Mike Zeck. Stephen Grant is an un... He's an usually uncredited in the punisher mythos but he saw punisher as an existentialist who he had this he has this great article about how punisher is a man who realized there is no god there's no judgment and he he just has to kill everybody himself and he it's an existential dilemma he's not he's not the nra poster boy that some people see it as like because stephen grant's a very like liberal dude but so that's how he saw the punisher and also in the very first issue they're like Oh, Punisher was given drugs by some guy to make him crazy, and now they're gone. And, and, that's, and that's it. And yeah. we're not talking about that. Like, yeah. And it was clearly that Mike Zeck, Stephen Grant run was a huge success because once those five issues was over, the next year, July 1987, he gets his first ongoing series by Mike Barron and Klaus Janssen, who Klaus Janssen is famous, at, most famous, I'd say, is the inker on Dark Knight Returns. And, and he's one of Frank Miller's regular inkers and so and the boss in the game boy mega man game (laughs) (laughs) and then so july 87 he gets his first ongoing that's proving so popular that by november 88 he gets war journal like it's that big he gets war journal 
And it was also so big that by 1989, mm-hmm. he gets his first movie, the R-rated yeah. Dolph Lundgren, Louis Gossett Jr. starring <laughs> yeah. action film that is just a dark... I've, I watched a scene from it, and it was too drawn out to get a good clip from, but mm-hmm. it's it's Louis Gossett Jr. meeting Frank in jail, in a jail cell. He's like, what the fuck, man? We took an oath. You're killing people, <laughs> motherfucker. Like, they're like swearing all the time. I'm an Italian <laughs> Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he does, by Dolph Lundgren standards, it's an okay American. I have somehow yeah. never seen this movie. It's yeah, not good. And you got to give it to Dolph Lundgren. He draw he dyed his hair jet black for it. Too. It's, it's somehow it's you wig. say somehow, but I think it was released very early on DVD. But at the time, you probably most wanted to see it. Marvel did not want you to. Well, I mean, yeah. I remember seeing it in VHS in in like Podunk. I, I where just I grew knew up, knowing like, about it and like looking at all the local video stores to see if they carried it. They did not. Yeah, and blockbusters I, only carry like, new things. Like my video store had it, a friend or two had a VHS of it taped off like HBO or something and just never watched it. It sound, it seemed like this won't this can't possibly be good. It's a total Canon Films type production that was actually yeah. made by New World Entertainment who also made the animated shows. They did mm-hmm. the Pride of the X-Men. They were mm-hmm. the people credit on the Pride of the X-Men thing. Uh, we watched for patrons mm-hmm. over $10. Yeah. I did love in that Kenan documentary, uh, Sylvester Stallone talking about, like, you gave Dolph Lundgren the leading the speaking lines? role. You got <laughs> lines? What? So that was a flop. Nothing really happened with it. But then by 92... Punisher gets Punisher Warzone. He yeah. has three comics at the same time. That's how like bloated, not yeah. bloated, but how big the market. But had like Spider Man had three books. Yes, yeah. like that's, that's the this level is where of... I came into comics, and I came in yeah. thinking Punisher and Wolverine were the Marvel figureheads. Yeah, Spider. I knew Spider Man and Hulk, but like that's that's what I started reading. Because he was cool, he fun- mm-hmm. he freaking shot people. He had he had his own type Q dude named Microchip. He had the Punisher van, yeah. his battle van. <laughs> he lived by his own playbook. He had he had a crazy arsenal, had his own stuff. special brand of justice. And he also rarely got a collection of supervillains because he mm-hmm. killed yeah. most of them. <laughs> Jigsaw was one of the few, and Jigsaw was a dude who got beat up at really bad in a fight with su- with Punisher once, and just had a face full of scars that looked like a Jigsaw puzzle. Right. Uh, though he did end up fighting like. Doctor Doom, Hulk, and Wolverine around that time too. Was... And there was uh, an NES game where it's like an on-rail yeah. shooter with like Punisher <laughs> in the foreground, and you like move a cursor. And I played it a lot. Yeah, is that the one with the advertisements? Like, hi, I'm Spider-Man. This that's, is my friend Punisher. That's and I've got a game. So yeah. the Game Boy the one. Game Boy yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Stars and it has like a Starburst, like featuring the Amazing Spider. I know that almost got me to buy. Yeah, it. I it almost played did. it because of that. So around that time too, he was kind of get involved in like Shield stuff, but. By 95, Punisher books had slumped. And they even did this whole storyline where Punisher was part of a faked death of Nick Fury. People thought Nick Mm -hmm. Fury was dead. The Hell Carrier crashes again. Punisher is sentenced to death, but he gets away with it. And they try to... He's... He somehow survives the electric chair. And he is kind of put in a 97 reboot by John Orstander, but it doesn't really work. There were a couple other failed reboots where he came... First, he became a black man. Then he became a literal avenging angel where he was given the powers of heaven. I read that issue on a playground at a summer camp. I remember it. Uh, and he got a couple crossovers uh, in during the 90s, too. Archie, yes. the crazy Punisher meets Archie, which... It's honestly a fun book. I, yeah. I like that the one artist draws Archie, one artist draws Punisher, and <laughs> they just kind of get drawn together. There were also the Batman Punisher uh, mm. crossovers in the early 90s, too. And it came at a weird time, the Batman crossovers, because the first one happened 
when Jean-Paul, a.k.a. Azrael, was Batman. So first Punisher meets Azbat. But then by the time the second crossover came out, because they did it back and forth, DC publishes one, Marvel publishes the other... The second one, Bruce Wayne is Batman again. So Punisher's like, wait, you're, who are you? I met Batman. You're not Batman. <laughs> when he fights that Batman, Bruce Wayne fucking mops the floor with him. Like, mm. Punisher tries to kill the Joker. Batman's like, you don't get to do that. Yeah. And then there's a big two-page spread where Punisher punches the Batman. And if you just look at that page, it looks like, oh, Punisher beats Batman. He wins. Mm. And then Batman just gets up, wipes off his face, and is like, you get one. <laughs> and then Punisher takes a swing at him again, and then Batman easily just like Crunch. kung fu's him to the side. Like I said, you get one. Get out of Gotham. Stay out of Riverdale while you're at it. <laughs> I remember one crossover because one of the other '90s, very '90s characters at the time was Ghost Rider. Oh. And there's a two part. I swear it's called Vicious Cycle. <laughs> is a two part. <laughs> is a two part story. But uh, it, it's a or Spin Cycle. I don't know what it is. I but believe that it's about a a giant like roving gang that have a giant like fortress on wheels. That roams the L.A. highways, and they're just and, and it's a crossover with Ghost Rider because he's obviously on a motorcycle, so he ends up in L.A. chasing them, and then Punisher gets involved. And again, the, the whole spirit of vengeance with the Punisher—you can tell they're trying to do another Daredevil thing. Yeah, because Ghost Rider is a literal demon that who does punish people, who punishes quite people, a lot. but in the most like just way. He makes you feel the pain you inflict. That's it. You don't die from it, but it's it's horrifying. But it's also not due process. It was this like weird like third part of a triangle with like Daredevil, Ghost Rider, and Punisher. Yeah. It, it was interesting. It didn't go anywhere, but the premise was interesting. Well, speaking of not going anywhere, Punisher was really not going anywhere. He was just kind of in limbo. Nobody knew what to do with him. Yeah. Enter Garth Ennis and yeah. Steve Dillon, the team behind Preacher uh, and John Constantine. They come to they come to Marvel to revitalize Punisher under the Marvel Knights banner. And it is back to basics as it comes. Like, Garth Ennis basically even has Castle say, I was an angel. I told him to shove it. I murder people, and that's what I do. And it's just... It will, it's a crazy book of, of it, that just got crazier and crazier in violence. Yeah. Where he would... He, he threw an elderly mafia woman into a polar bear pit, and then they eat her arms and legs, but that was it. And, she's, and she survives. And she survives. And it's also where you get stuff that was used in the 2004 yeah. movie. Kevin Nash would play the... Kevin Nash yeah. would play the Russian, his big enemy in it, too. Has boobs in the... Uh... Who later gets boobs. So... That's the thing. I so I do love Ennis's take on Punisher, but before it went before it went adults only, yeah, it got really silly. Yeah, it got well, really, he, he, he was having fun. It became half a comedy book. Well, he viewed superheroes were a farce anyway. He thinks they're all a fucking joke. Yeah. Like it, Punisher's the only one he seems to like in Marvel, yeah. and that's the thing that would annoy me as a yeah. dweeb. That like Spider Man would show up and then Punisher would say Spider Man you suck and you're dumb, and yeah. then he like pants him, or Spider Man yeah. <laughs> Spider Man would just cry like I'm not as cool. You yeah, the last story before it turned into what we're going to get into next, which is the Max series. The last storyline is called Confederacy of Dunces, <laughs> and it's Punisher basically beating up on Wolverine, Spider-Man, and Daredevil. <laughs> And uh, God, the way he writes Wolverine is both awful and hilarious. He hits him with a steamroller. Yeah, doesn't he yeah. runs. He literally yeah. runs over Wolverine yeah, yeah, with a yeah. steamroller. Yep. Uh, that's in the Max one, I think. But yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, it ends with this weird, like you. He has this person that he's feeding this like food to, 
Punisher is. Uh-huh. And you don't know who the person is, but he's just like, no, man, just keep eating this food. And the guy is just like, why am I eating this food? I don't understand. And it, you can tell he's trying to remember something about himself, but Punisher's like, keep eating this food. And it's so he'll forget. Uh-huh. And then he knows at that point Spider-Man, Daredevil, and Wolverine are eventually going to get out of the hilarious trap he set for them. Uh-huh. And then they show up. And then he reveals that the person who's been sitting there eating this food the whole time is Bruce Banner. Now he realizes who he is and he's the Hulk. So the Hulk is his escape plan. He knows that the moment that the the heroes find him, he can trigger Hulk and then he'll just get away in the the chaos. And that's how the story... That's funny, but it's so extreme. So is like Ennis' first book with Punisher was Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe, which Mm -hmm. is a really fun what if, but also like it's too such an extreme like... No, Punisher, I'm sorry. Yeah, Punisher yeah, yeah. wouldn't beat Doctor Doom. It yeah. just wouldn't happen. Yeah, there's a lot of ones in there that are... It's a joke, but it's yeah. a joke and book, it's, so... It's I mean, his my favorite joke in it is that he kills all the X-Men <laughs> by tricking them to have a giant crossover on the moon, and then uh-huh. he blows up a nuke and just yeah. kills them all. Yep, uh, all the mutants are gone. Uh, but so then, yeah, it got... The violence in it got so crazy that in 2004... They decided, you know what? No, this is an adults-only line. It's going to be part of mm-hmm. our Max line of comics, which was where Alias was published, which you know became Jessica Jones. That's where he kind of got cordoned. For about a few years, he was just in that corner. Like, Punisher didn't appear. Yeah. And that's because they had to make... That's when they made the demarcation of... Punisher Max is not Marvel U Punisher. Yeah, yeah. and that's he's still also, a Vietnam vet. Yeah, so Ennis did this really. If I could tell you another uh, one of Ennis's best Punisher books is called Born, yeah. which is a mini series about how Punisher was born in Vietnam. He wasn't born when his family was killed. It shows him as the like the only survivor of a of a huge failed assault in in Vietnam. And he comes back from Vietnam and is he's changed by it. He's changed by that. He was born there. And it's it's a really great little story yeah. about about him. And that continued on even when Ennis left the book. When in Ennis's Max Line stories, he just fought like sex slavers, drug dealers, like the worst of the worst. Yeah. But no no there's no powers. No powers. No, no Superheroes were barely in it. He, in. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think Nick Fury showed up, but like yeah. as a like I'm like a spy, not a head of a crazy organization. And, and, and Marvel's he, okay with me saying swear words yeah it's it's super violent super cussy and it was it was an amazing read at the time because you got to see punisher do things you in your mind you knew the punisher had to be doing these things Mm -hmm. but now they graphically depict them well and this also this led to another of my favorite lines it ended with punisher max which Mm -hmm. was this like 24 issue ish epic by jason aaron Aaron. and steve dylan it takes punisher max to its natural conclusion which is he is a 60 year old man Mm. he's aged in real time yeah and eventually he's gonna fail like there's he eventually time will catch up to him and this time he has to fight the max version of kingpin Mm. the max version of bullseye who is amazing i love the max version of bullseye and electra it's so great but that's when max ends meanwhile in the marvel u Come Civil War, yeah. that's where Punisher for the Marvel U comes mm. back. And he has the white gloves and the white boots that you yep. kind of remember from the 80s. Because the Max was stilt man in the face. Yeah. Well, it started with Civil War, which was really cool because he briefly joins Captain America's side. Yeah. And it becomes this part where Captain America realizes, like, oh, I'm working with a terrorist. What am I doing? He's yeah. murdering people. And there's this great scene where Captain America is beating the crap out of Punisher because he's so mad. He's like, fight back and Punisher says not you like he yeah. wouldn't he wouldn't fight a Captain America he respected him too much wow. and then that led to the brief uh, Punisher War Journal series by Matt Fraction which was good where they seemed to insinuate that Punisher was going to briefly become Captain America but 
He didn't really. He did take his mask off the battlefield. Yeah, but then doesn't this turn into Frankencastle at some so point? So then <laughs> a couple years later comes the Dark Reign storyline. Norman Osborn takes over S.H.I.E.L.D. And he has a list of five dudes he wants to take out. One of them is Frank Castle. <laughs> and he succeeds. Frank Castle is dead. Chopped up by Wolverine's son. But he is found by the weird 70s m- monster men. And he is rebuilt as Frankencastle, a walking corpse. <laughs> Which he remains for about 12 issues, and then by the end, almost like a magic wand, they're like, and now you're human again. Goodbye. (laughs) So why why not? That led to a brief Greg Rooker run, which was pretty interesting. He also was a member of Thunderbolts. I did read like the first four or five of those. Where he he becomes friends with benefits with Elektra in that book, and he learns to hate Deadpool. They have a nice little uh, one-upsmanship in there. Uh, He also helped in the original Sin crossover. He was a big part of that. Uh, and then he killed a bunch of villains in Secret Wars and now currently has no book. Like, doesn't have a solo book. I would bet that won't last too long. Now that Marvel's got him back in the movie Yeah, n- yeah now that the show's going to be out, like, Comic-Con, I bet, July this year, mm-hmm. they'll announce something. So as for his appearances in other media, so yeah, we talked about the movies. He starred in the 89 movie, 2004 movie, then also the 2009 Lexi Alexander Punisher Warzone which uh, was a very underrated, ridiculous film. As for cartoons, he's appeared in the... He made a big appearance in Spider-Man animated series where he shot lasers at people. But he was still pretty intense. Vietnam lasers. (laughs) And he also had a funny appearance in the Superhero Squad kid Mm -hmm. show. We're nothing but white blood cells. Hunting the infection called crime. A sickness that sneaks in through the cracks. The way that Brussels sprouts sneak onto a plate of delicious macaroni and cheese. Sure, the city looks safe. Just push the Brussels sprouts to one side, right? Raw, no matter where you put them, their vile vegetable juices corrupt the whole plate. I'm out here to keep those stinking sprouts off the mac and cheese. Keep them from leaving the store in the first place. Wow. Is that, is that the guy who played him in War Journal? I think so. I, yeah, it was the man who played him in War Journal. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Who was, like, I, I know Dolph Lundgren and Thomas Jane, and then the guy from The Walking Dead. Mm. Who else has played? Well, the War Journal guy, but I don't know yeah. his name off the top of my head. I did not get that down. But, I mean, Thomas Jane is the most famous yeah. one. But I just want my kids back. <laughs> just want my kids back. All right, Tom Jane. That does remind me, because when I was at, working at Toys R Us with that, that Super War Friends, zone, that, that super friends mm-hmm. line or whatever. the, the Ray Stevenson is the... Ray mm-hmm. Stevenson. Thing. The happy, smiley version of this. Yeah, the, the superhero squad. Yeah. yeah, whatever those it were. It was like before they could get the Lego license. They're like, yeah, it's our own Lego. Yeah, so this is like 04, somewhere around there. And there was like, oh, here's cute Cap and cute Falcon and cute this, that, whatever. And then one day there was a cute Punisher, and I'm like, he's he's like a smiling, squat, like goofy proportion guy with the skull on his chest, and I'm like, you know what the Punisher is, right? Like, how did the kid, like a four year old, take this? I'm gonna kill everybody. Like, I don't know. I thought that was so you're strange. Like begging children to discover your dark pet, their dark past. Yeah, because uh, I, I had a Punisher toy at like ten years old, yeah. but he was at least grimacing. Did you like. have one of those giant? Like I had from the Marvel early line. They had the like the tall toys, like twelve inches tall. I had yeah. one of Spidey and one of Punisher. I didn't get the tall because I remember one night I got very sick and threw up uh, <laughs> on my Punisher toy. <laughs> I, no matter how much I washed him, he never smelled the same. <laughs> I uh, so have to dead. imagine that's worse than his experience in Vietnam and his family. <laughs> Being killed. A child puked. Having on me. an eight-year-old eight fat kid. An eight-year-old nerd threw up on me. I did a uh, in community college around that time period. I had a Punisher shirt that was just the skull, and I remember wearing it to school Ooh. or to college. Are you an MMA? 
Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I remember at the time, my anthropology teacher, which is a whole other story, but he stops me in the hall and he just looks at me and he's like, he looks at me like head to toe with this Punisher shirt on and looks at me and is like, gestures at the shirt like, what does all of this represent? <laughs> and I was like, it's a comic book character. And he just like the slowest blink back at me and is like, I see. And then just walked on. And I just carried with that me to this day of like... Shut up, go play sports. What do you... What, you're, what, what answer did you want? Yeah, what answer did you want? As for video game appearances, we talked about his NES game and also his uh, Volition game. He also... Has, an arcade game. Yeah, it was an arcade played. game by Capcom mm-hmm. for 1993. And a 2009 arena-based shooter from Zen published exclusively on the PS3. A lot of people miss that game. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember uploading screens for it early in my yeah. career at Video Game Press. Uh, and also, he's appeared in a lot of the like Marvel Alliance, Marvel Heroes. Sure. He's He's been a support role in that. And so now, he is being played by Walking Dead Shane, yeah. John Bernthal. Mm-hmm. And there's some talk of how they're going to handle him. They're like, well, we got to be careful because he can't be an advertisement for the NRA. Of, no, I, I, uh, think, I think Deadpool has replaced... Punisher, because the, the climate is not right for a character like Punisher to exist with no sense of humor and only guns. <laughs> Deadpool, you have to get at least funny like Deadpool. He literally does. took over the kills yeah. blank thing yeah, from Punisher yeah. and does that now Punisher, exclusively. But Punisher is the most humorless man yeah. in the world, which also I think is why Garth Ennis was so into making him funny, because mm-hmm. he doesn't laugh ever. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's where we're at now with the uh, Punisher, and we look forward to seeing him in that is a superhero spotlight. Select your hero. Ah, good times. Uh, all right, let's quickly get into the news, guys, for this week. So when it comes to CNN, they are always talking about Trump's poll results and stuff, but they never put it into words mm-hmm. that a dweeb can understand. But mm-hmm. thankfully, CNN correspondent with talking to Anderson Cooper mm-hmm. and surrounded by other talking heads on CNN makes this point <laughs> about Trump's popularity. When it comes to Trump, uh, there was there's a villain in Marvel Comics called Sebastian Shaw. He used to fight the X-Men. And the harder you hit him, the stronger he gets. The harder you hit him. So there was a theory, I think, that this was Sebastian Shaw. You couldn't hit him. Don't fight him. Knock other people off. We're going to see how many bullets he can eat. Like, yeah, that was... Everyone else is looking at him dumbfounded. Yeah, that's, like, that's what? kind of incredible. What a deep pull. I made Sebastian that, Shaw. I made that the- reference as a ca- as a Capcom community manager. Like, in a, <laughs> in a panel, I was like, I have to kind of be like Sebastian Shaw, where I absorb a bunch of negative energy, and then I have to direct it in a positive way. Well, not that Shaw does, but played mm-hmm. by Kevin Bacon, you know. Yeah, it's wow. Sebastian Shaw of the mm-hmm. Hellfire Club. That was Van Jones, who I had not heard of him before, but he's I'll a... Him yeah. Now. yeah, he's a political correspondent. That's, so then when I went to his Twitter feed, normally <laughs> where he's talking about politics and he's a liberal po- uh, political correspondent, he's all replying to all these people like, oh, man, he's talking about Sebastian Shaw. You know, I think he's more like Loki or I think he's more like and he's just <laughs> Christ. It, it's just because it's total valid points. <laughs> I'm going to get my own show now. <laughs> it becomes a whole total yeah. nerd off of him saying like, see, nerds, comic book fans are the real political pundits. We've seen supervillains. More importantly, you can yeah. monetize them. See, I think uh, Trump is exactly. more like the Punisher in that he can absorb vomit. <laughs> <laughs> and stink for decades. <laughs> Uh, like Sebastian Shaw, what if you just ignored him for a week? What would happen? Uh, Let's give it a try. Give it a try. Speaking of ignoring things, John uh, JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is is ignoring Sandman. And so he was going to direct in his... I guess star yeah. in a comic based on Sandman, the classic eighties mm-hmm. vertigo and nineties vertigo book by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. And 
it was a big deal, and he was very excited to work on it. But apparently the situation was that Vertigo books used to be handled by Warner, mm-hmm. and that got transferred to being worked on yep. by New Line. And they say there were creative differences between JGL and the New Line He people. made the announcement. It wasn't news said, that broke. He said, I'm off this. He just says, I quit Sandman because mm-hmm. I didn't see I I don't know. I just can't believe he did that. Yeah, uh, but I like that he was open about it. And that I guess. Makes you think there had to be some real problems with the producers if he... I mean, they probably just, I think it needs to be an R-rated thing, and he probably yeah. maybe they didn't want to make it. I'm sure some executives put down their cucumber martinis and <laughs> googled Sandman and saw that there was a fan base. There is no major movie studio that wants to approach that material. It's yeah, it's the, very, the right way. You know, they don't want to do that. No, I don't think so. Uh, but they should. Yeah, and Neil Gaiman. Hey, Neil Gaiman got to write help on the script. He got his payday. So never. I mean, people thought that Watchmen was like un. Uh, unproducible it was it was close to it he did prove you Zack Snyder did prove you could make a not awful Watchmen that's his best movie Mm -hmm. though he I saw him talking shit on Terry Gilliam and look Terry Gilliam's treatment for Watchmen didn't sound like it would have been a better movie than Zack Snyder's but Zack Snyder in no universe should ever throw shade at Terry Gilliam like you are not not half you're not half the director Terry Gilliam is no Terry Gilliam made terrible movies when he approached his 60s (laughs) how many articles about this uh, read JGL put Sandman to bed. Oh, I bet it was in Variety. Oh, I bet you should write hacky <laughs> AP headlines. Uh, there were a couple Supergirl stories. One that it's been renewed for a second season already, and they put up a really cool teaser image for her crossover episode with the flash which uh-huh. is they took a classic cover of the flash racing superman from the 60s and redo it with redrew it as the flash racing supergirl yeah, and it supergirl's says, getting all superman stories yeah i know well because they can't put superman on a tv show that's tied up in that here. batman movie that's coming out <laughs> yeah which uh so they released what the run times are going to be for civil war and batman versus superman mm-hmm. civil war is five minutes shorter than batman versus superman but they are both two and a half hours long Jeez. 151 and 146 and that is a really long movie like yeah and, but i feel like ever since the nolan films it's not a superhero film if it's oh if it's under two hours it feels too light though that was also another nice thing about deadpool it wasn't like nearly three hours long well, ant-man also was and ant-man yeah, yeah they, you, they no they knew what they were dealing with with ant-man we're like yeah just make it short it's like, I, what i keep make lot, it tiny <laughs> lotting over the marvel universe for getting away with is that it it doesn't have to do any kind of origin story or set up its universe mm-hmm. and kind of can hit the ground running from the first second of film yeah it's really nice so why do you have a two and a half hour film? Yeah, Civil and, War. I, uh, well, I mean, they have uh, twelve characters to. That's, that is true. Well, that's the same thing with Batman versus Superman. They, they have, have a lot to, more to establish. They have to have Batman fight Superman. They have to introduce Super, uh, sorry, Wonder Woman and other members of the Justice League and Lex Luthor. They also have and, to establish what Batman is in well, this. Batman introduce Doomsday and kill Superman in the movie. All in one <laughs> All movie. All those things have to happen. Yeah. All in one movie. My, my, you mentioned Deadpool. My favorite news story I saw this week was Tim Miller, director of Deadpool. Giving a public conversation, and I guess minor spoiler if you haven't seen the film, the, the last battle sequence takes place on looks what, what be seems a, to be a helicarrier, a derelict helicarrier, and it it totally it is can't be a helicarrier. And Tim Miller is like is like for the last time that was not a helicarrier, and I'm paraphrasing what he said here because 
there's a very clear distinction that we cannot use a helicarrier in the movie. Therefore, the thing you saw <laughs> is not a helicarrier. That's like a that's like an algebraic proof of it like was, if that, then this. It was the funniest confirmation of something I've ever fucking seen. That's like, pretty great. Also, speaking of a funny thing, there was Batman '89, which uh, well, there's a whole post on it on the site, but it was this. Uh, you know, ev- not every comic that gets pitched by great creators gets bought by companies. And this was one by Kate Leth, the writer on Hellcat, who a uh, comic I love, and Joe Quinones, Quinones, uh, the artist on Howard the Duck, which I also love. They pitched to do in the style of Batman 66, which continued the Batman universe of the Adam mm-hmm. West show. Batman 89, mm-hmm. which continued the universe of the two Tim Burton movies, where Billy D. Williams would become Two-Face, yeah. where Christina Ricci would be Batgirl, where uh, I believe it was Damon Wayans, no, Marlon Wayans would become uh, Robin. Robin. Yeah, all that stuff. They were going to do it. And they had uh, Joe Quinos release this amazing set of images they great. made for the for it. And you can see it all on the site. Yeah, there's it's like so concepts great. of like, here's what Poison Ivy would have looked like. Here's Harley Quinn. Yeah. All this it's great stuff. Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. It just like, I forgot how much I loved her in that. But, She's so yeah. good. And But DC turned it down. They're like, nah, pass. Sorry. But because it's a pass, then it becomes... Uh, Joe Quinos can just go like, well, then I have some really good fan art, and I'm going to share it with you, like all people share That's fan so art. That's so weird. Of like all the things, I wonder if part of the reason they had to turn it down though was because of likenesses, right? Yeah, like, I mean, it is. Like, it'll take so much work to get this out the door, just that... to get Michael Keaton to sign off on this looking yeah, just like him, because you're profiting off of the actor. Their likenesses are so yeah. co- direct, yeah. Uh, unlike in Batman '66. Like, back where... on the Deadpool front, now that the world knows that this almost happened, yeah. I have a feeling they might make it. I think it's closer to happening yeah now. i think yeah. If, if you can see a, a, a public groundswell and anticipation for this thing I, I think dc would be more comfortable acquiring those likenesses given yeah. how much public outcry be, yeah. and demand that so hey to. spread the public outcry by sharing our story that's on lasertimepodcast.com uh and lastly they announced a lumberjanes gotham academy crossover which is really interesting because gotham academy is kind of the lumberjanes of dc it's an all ages type book stars mainly a female cast and the just the drawing of them hanging out together looks so great from it and it's going to be a six issue but written by china clubs and flores who she did the blue monday the orgy song uh, it's inspired by it. It's a, it's about a bunch of kids in the '90s who love '80s stuff. Ah, uh, okay. There was also uh, Just Kidding Simmons being cast. Oh yes, and yeah. J.K. Simmons. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> I forgot that on there. J.K. Simmons is now the another actor who has played dual roles in the DC and Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. The only J-, J. Jonah Jameson there ever is <laughs> in my book. He is fantastic. He is now going to be playing Commissioner Gordon in the Justice League film. He will be the Commissioner Gordon wow. of the Snyderverse. That's so which, weird. Which uh, that feels like uh, that feels like good casting. Mm. He's definitely so he's good not at playing cop of- type. So he's not in Dawn of Justice. No, he, there is no. You huh. think that you think there'd be more room for Commissioner mm-hmm. Gordon, Gordon in Dawn of Justice than Batman? But the casting was just announced this week, and it was only for Justice League Part One. Right. Also, the Green Lantern is not going to be in Justice League Part One. He'll be in Part Two, apparently. Not, not only is he doing uh, dual Marvel DC, I think he's still on the hook to be 
uh, J. Jonah he Jameson. He said he is open to being Jameson again. He's like, if they he, want me back, I'll, I'll be know, Jameson. It feels like forever ago, but the Disney Infinity stuff, he mm. is still... Um, yeah, he J- voices him every now and then. Yeah. And he there, voices him in that game. Can he I is, tell you guys one of the most disappointing things in Amazing Spider-Man 2 was that you get to see an email from J. Jonah Jameson, uh, and that is it. <laughs> he technically works for the Daily Bugle, but they're like, we don't want to commit to a J. Jonah Jameson let just to have him send pictures in an email I to him. I think that's the one part you don't recast. Yeah, so. he is probably of all the casting that has ever happened. Like, I, Hugh Jackman is an excellent Wolverine, mm-hmm. but man... J. Jonah Jameson and, and J.K. You know, Simmons. You know it would have been like a, just some like lazy agate Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> That's who it would have yeah. been. That's what they were. He, he'll be funny for an improv in a couple scenes. Uh, all right, so that's all the news that's fit to talk about. When we come back, we'll talk about what we've been reading. What we've been reading. Reading, dude. Uh, damn it. <laughs> it's almost 420. An introduction to a new segment and your answers to last week's question of the week. Are you already tired of 2016? Jump into the past with 302010, our weekly pop culture time machine podcast. Here's something you may remember from 1996. It is the Quad City DJs. Come on, write it. Parentheses, the train. It is a party in here. This is <laughs> this is a fun way to come in. This is the most exciting the show has ever been. Uh, <laughs> this week, February 27th, Quad City DJs hit based on, this is a part I didn't know, Based on a 1974 Barry White song. Mm-hmm. What? Yep. No, it is. Yep. <laughs> of course, it's a sample. Man, I didn't realize. I, I never no knew. No idea. Uh, That's uh, Together Brothers? The theme from Together yes. Brothers. What? I do want to say Together <laughs> Brother again for people to look it up to play the whole thing because there's a cool break where it goes to strings that I don't think Quad City DJs hold on to. That one. This is awesome. I mean, this is great. I, don't know. I, I have a, a CD of all black exploitation themes, and I like cannot drive while playing things like this because mm. next thing I know, I'm doing 90, and I didn't even notice. I'm like, <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> there, I wouldn't know as much about this period of music if it weren't for the rampant sampling of like the, the early <laughs> yeah. 90s. It's nothing sacred. I thought surely I can trust the Quad City DJs <laughs> to make their own music. That's 302010, a weekly look at what happened in pop culture 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago, every Thursday right here on the Laser Time Network. Last week on Cheap Popcast, the unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. Like, uh, to your point about star fucking, the video, it's from WWE's YouTube account. It says Academy Award winning actress Halle Berry <laughs> on the phone with Kane, and it's like it's a shame that it wasn't this wasn't closer to the Attitude Era because then Kane could have been like, "You were in Monsters Balls, and now this monster wants to put his balls in you." Or something, <laughs> something to that effect. Someone needs to teach Make Kane you feel how good. to fuck. Like, <laughs> yes, it's you too, <laughs> yes, it's too bad that didn't yeah, happen. Any I'm of you sorry. have an option to do anything with Halle Berry? Put dogs in the bathtub way down. There. <laughs> Don't. I just want to make her feel good. Listen to Cheap Popcast on the Laser Time Network and on iTunes and on the internet every Friday morning. (laughs) 
Why, hello, everybody, and welcome to the break for this week's episode of Cape Crisis. I appreciate all of you listening, just as I appreciate you guys going to LazerTimePodcast.com and seeing all the great content we put up. Like, gee, I don't know, the article I did about Batman 89 that posted this week, the really cool book. You got to see the art for yourself. Go to LazerTimePodcast.com and check it out, which is also where you can check out all of our other podcasts and top seven. So much great stuff we do. All our videos. It's all right there. That's also where Superhero Spotlight is the weekly video component of these episodes where I put together a bunch of visual stuff for each clip of the Superhero Spotlight for the history of all these classic characters. Also, as long as I'm talking about it, patreon.com slash laser time is the easiest way to support us directly. Just $5 a month gets you so much extra stuff, and it really helps us out. If you're not giving it, please do, you know... It may look like a lot of money on the page, but split four ways doesn't go too far in San Francisco. And so every little bit helps. We really do appreciate that support. Another way to support us, if you're not into that, is by buying stuff through Amazon. Now, you don't have to buy the stuff we suggest. You can buy anything through it. But go to any of the Amazon links on lasertimepodcast.com. Click on them. They will open a new browser. Buy anything through that. And you will help us out at no extra cost to you. You can even do that. Here's a here's a big hint here. If you buy stuff on Comixology, all your purchases of single issues on Kindle, uh, on the Kindle store at Amazon, transfer over to your Comixology account when you connect your Amazon and Comixology accounts. So you can even buy your weekly comics through Comixology via Amazon and uh, money gets kicked back to us. Isn't that amazing? So please keep all that in mind. The Amazon links on lasertimepodcast.com. And they'll even be a link to comics we talked about in this week's episode, including Hank's Corner Pick of the Week. You know, I talked it up so much and it's going to be in there, but I really got to say, Jason Aaron's run on The Punisher is so good. It is just so very good. It is a great coda to The Punisher stories by Garth Ennis. Welcome Back, Frank is also a great Punisher book, but just... Jason Aaron's run on Punisher so very good. You, you've got to check it out. Uh, it, it's got the Kingpin. It's got Bullseye. It's got Elektra. It is dark as hell. It, is, it goes to the very soul of the Punisher. It is such a great book. you got to check it out. There will be links to it on this week's episode page along with a bunch of other cool stuff you can buy. And any of those purchases help us out. All right. Back to the rest of the show. And we are back in segment two. Thanks for joining us, guys. Chris had to run off. He is a sandwich starved right now. Uh, but, hey, let's talk about what we have been reading. Though, first, I'd like to introduce a kind of new-ish segment right now, which is, you know, I like asking you guys questions in the question week sex section, but I would like to be asked questions, too. Questions that I can answer in an article, perhaps, or even on this very podcast. And so I'm going to start an Ask Hank section next week and a post for it that'll be on lasertimepodcast.com. But let's have the first questions be in this week's comment section. Now, you could say, hey, what's a good, where's a good place to start with Spider-Man? Or 
why are you so stupid and you think Superman shouldn't kill people? Or, what's your favorite comic from 1997? All those questions. Uh, how come I can't get no tang round here? Yeah, <laughs> you can ask all those questions and I might answer them. But uh, I, I just would like to start this as a new thing that we could mention the best questions on each episode of Cape Crisis to get some more engagement here. You know? Yeah, go to lasertimepodcast.com. Click on that Cape Crisis article. Yeah. Or the be- logo that's on the page next to the seven other shows we do. So many great shows. Shows, and you should tell your friends about all of them and download all of them. Do you have four dozen friends that want to listen to podcasts? I, I think I have four friends. <laughs> uh, let, well, let's do talk about what you've been reading just a little bit, though, because I have some. Now, Young Justice, I did, went down a big Young Justice hole this weekend. I watched about a dozen episodes. Like, I'd only watched the first two episodes last week. This time I have gone up to episode 16, mm. and I'm really enjoying it. I really am. I don't know if you've watched more since last time. I first, haven't. But... No, I watched the first four, and that's I still haven't got any. Hello, more. Megan! That, that's that's Martian. Uh, that's Miss Martian's uh, catchphrase. Oh, is Hello, it? Hello, Megan! Oh, I see. So fun. I love her. I, I wasn't a big fan of her design. Eh, it's grown on me. But, I like yeah, it. I didn't see it enough, so. But uh, I like her freckles on her green skin. I like mm. that stuff. But it's it's a really good... So here's the things I've come to really like about it. I love that it has a continual continuity. Each yeah. episode leads into the next. Yeah. And with a growing like uh, conspiracy theory, the lights, and yeah. all these supervillains in the background. I also, as an old comic book nerd, I love guessing who the villain's going to be. Because it, like, starts as a puzzle in some episodes of, okay, they had their mind wiped, so it has to be a psychic. Yeah. Hmm, who would it be that's a psychic? And then, then they reveal, oh, it's Simon, the yeah. P-S-I oh, Simon. I Oh, I know. And he's erased all their memories. And also, Shazam shows up, and they call him Captain Marvel in it. And he even meet. there's a reference to his old tiger, Talkie Tawny. It's, it's so great. And he's voiced by Rob Lowe. <laughs> and that's the other plus I give to the show. It has great voice casting, I think, especially in the guest stars. Nolan North does a really good job as both Superman and Superboy. Wow. And because Gre- I believe it's because Greg Weissman works on it. He was one of the executive producers on Gargoyles. It has a lot of the same voices from Gargoyles, mm. including Brent Spiner in multiple roles and uh, Deanna Troy. That Marina Sirtis. Marina Sirtis. Like, she's in it, too. Huh. I just, uh, he, uh, Gargoyles is famous for casting yeah. everybody but Patrick Stewart, pretty much, as voices <laughs> on Gargoyles. Yeah. Uh, like Michael Dorn, I, I'm hoping Michael Dorn appears at some point. Man, who would I cast him with? But the most recent episode I watched had Zatanna mm-hmm. on the team. And I always wondered, why is Zatara in the show? Yeah. Zatara, her father, who has been dead uh, for most of his appearances, uh, I'm like, well, why is he here? It's so Zatanna can be a youngster and be on the Young Justice team. Yeah. And she and uh, she and Robin have this kind of cute, flirty thing going on. I was like, oh, yeah, if Zatanna was younger, she'd be into Robin. And it's yeah. a, I like it. It's a cute thing. It's got it's got teen drama, which I, I enjoy, too, in a kind of trashy way. But it's a really fun show. And the, and the art has grown on me, too. I, I really like it. Uh, and so, yeah, I will definitely be I'll be finishing up season two, uh, season one really soon. And I'll be into season two. There's another 26 episodes, and I'll just be sad because it's over. Uh, unless me watching it and all the other people watching it on Netflix will inspire 
Netflix to pay for his third season. Mm. Uh, then, as for comics, I read two of the new releases today. Amazing Spider-Man number nine, which is the start of the of a new storyline where it's him against Zodiac again. Like, he just cannot get away from Zodiac. But if he's he's a secret agent now, so he's going to be fighting Zodiac. That's how it is. I'm a little tired of seeing Zodiac, too. I was hoping it'd be a new villain. But uh, it has an interesting bit where he goes into outer space with Nick Fury and they're fighting asteroids and stuff. It, it's a, it was a cute book, but I'm still not loving it. I, mean, I like it a lot. I'll always like Dan Slott's Spider-Man run. And then I read Howard the Duck number five, which finishes the first storyline, the Nexus of Reality stuff. Uh, it has a it has a lot of cute stuff in it, and the collector is actually really neat in it. I like him a lot. They draw him just to pretty much be Benicio del Toro from the right, Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy show. Uh, but I'm even happier that in the next issue, it is the start of the two issue crossover story with uh, with Squirrel Girl because Squirrel Girl just ended its story, so now they're going to do it, and it's a, this neat thing, kind of like we talked about. In the first segment about Archie meets Punisher, mm-hmm. it's where Squirrel Girl will be drawn by her artist, mm. and uh, Duck the Duck will be drawn by his artist, and it is just a a game jam collabo right. between <laughs> them. And it's I'm really looking forward to that next month. Super super stoked for that. Uh, and I flipped through a little bit of the Star Wars Chewbacca miniseries, which I just got the collection for that. Really good. I it's funny how much they can express with Chewbacca with mm. no words. <laughs> mm. Uh, so that's all I read. Uh, Brett, anything to nah, add? I've done nothing but work on things. <laughs> that's so. cool. That's cool. Hey, you worked on a real comic book thing this week, so I give you thumbs up for that. Mm. Uh, but Dave, yeah. The Walking Dave, first up, Walking Dead, you watched your most recent episode. Yeah, I really liked it. Most of the time when I like an episode, it's because something like substantial happens. And this one, it wasn't. It it did ha- it had Carol in it, who has not been in the like oh, most, yeah. a couple episodes. So it was good to see her again. Uh, her character is like her character. Yeah, her, her character is. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's I, for one thing. It's a lot better than it was in the comics. Kind of an afterthought in the comics, and uh-huh. uh, like on the show, very central, very conflicted. And this episode was really good. I, the one thing that I I'm kind of upset about is that uh, she, for the longest time, everyone thought that she would have some sort of romance, uh, Norman Reedus. Uh, oh, Daryl. Daryl, yeah. And she hooked up with some other guy in this episode. Ooh. And I think because so many people were like uh, jazzed that Rick and Michonne got together a couple weeks ago, I think they thought like... They thought Let all me- their fan fiction yeah. was going to come true? Well, no, no, I thought like maybe the the, the producers thought like, all right, we, get, we gave everyone this bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol and... and uh, Let's hold off yeah, on another Daryl kiss for happen. a while. Yeah. yeah. They got to save some for season seven. Yeah. But it was a pretty good episode where like it was... Uh, Rick and his group going into another camp to to basically stop a attack on on their group before it happened. But it was kind of like they snuck up on a basically a community while they were sleeping and slaughtered them, which is like holy shit, this is kind of dark for like that's, that's not the kind dark. of thing like Rick normally does. So it was kind yeah. of cool to see Jeez. like. Like, yeah, everyone conflicted before it happened. Yeah, I liked it. It was a better episode than some of the more recent ones. That's good. That's yeah. good. And uh, all right. But so then yeah. it's time for the Dave's homework. Finally, yeah. a book I've been waiting for you to read for about three months. Yeah. And, Gotham uh, Temporarily Central. Lost. But, yeah, big one, too. Ten issues. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's worth every issue, though. Yeah, I liked it. It was three different storylines, and I really enjoyed 
all of them. I think the middle one was the weaker of the three. Yeah, Firebug. Fire, fire, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's also it's also so weird. Firefly. I, uh, it, um, how little, like... I mean, with the first one, you see Dr. Freeze immediately, but the Mr. other... Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze, sorry. But the other two... Uh, they're basically like afterthoughts. Like you don't see. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it's Firebug, but you don't see him until. Yeah, I think it's Firebug. Uh, All right, you're right. You're you right. don't even see the person in the costume. You just see the costume, and then. Uh, well, that's why it's more yeah. like a police procedural. Where yeah. sometimes it's not about just always. <clears throat> here's the supervillain, and we'll fight them. In this case, it was just, hey, we found your shit, man. Yeah. Like you, you bought this stuff to try. Uh, I don't want to ruin the yeah. ruin the plot for it, but yeah. I like that where they. It shows how super the yeah. super stuff is when the story is about the suit. Yeah, and not even like a person using it all yeah. that much. Like it, it shows like how out of their league they are. Yeah, and I also like just the the introduction of the fur of the main yeah. de- one of the main detectives, Marcus, I believe mm-hmm. his name is, that he sees the his friend get torn yeah. apart by Mister Freeze, who just says, "Yeah, I've got to teach you a lesson." Mm-hmm. So snap, snap, yeah. like see, this is what happens to cops, mm-hmm. and this then, is what happens when you care about things in yeah. Gotham City. It's and, a great intro. And then the last the the last mini story. I mean, the the villain doesn't even show up to, like, the last two comics there. And I really like there was kind of, like, the framing of uh, when Batman shows up to save the person in the last one where it's kind of, like, it does sort of show, like, how it is. The focus is on the cops where it's, like, Batman is almost off-panel mm-hmm. when it happens. They barely show him. Yeah. I like when the, one of the cops tells off Batman, like, yeah. hey, I did this to tell you. We don't need you. We did this without yeah. you. You're making us look bad, yeah. jerk. That was that was fun. So, are you into Half a Life now? I guess is that the other one? In that uh, book? I just I finished the whole thing. Oh, you finished uh, the whole thing. I saw yeah. a bookmark in it, so I thought oh, you were yeah, still no, reading no. it. Sorry. See, so yeah, Half a Life. I felt it just went a little too long. Yeah. But it was still a big deal because that um, Montoya had been yeah. introduced in the in the cartoon show. Yeah. And there had been Greg Rucka says he always wrote her as a lesbian. Yeah. But. There were bits in Cataclysm books in the in No Man's Land where it was written like she seemed to be like she at least liked mm-hmm. Harvey Dent and she was friends with him. Yeah. And I read it as the start of a romance mm-hmm. a little bit there. So I was also taken by surprise when when I read the first issue, even before the mm-hmm. end, it was like, I think she's a lesbian. Like, yeah. I think she's hiding something here. It's very coded. Yeah. Uh, I just felt it went on a little too long, but it was a good murder mystery. I yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, I liked her story. I liked hers mm-hmm. more than there's like, there's two other detectives that kind of have a romance that doesn't like doesn't seem to really go. Oh, where, the freckle lady. And the, yeah, yeah, but uh, her story was good. And, and also, it, yeah, like, I like that they had their captain was uh, Sawyer, yeah. who was one of the first fictional lesbians in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Who she was the captain in Metropolis, yeah. and then moved to Gotham, and that that she got to be the one who says. Hey, you can only come out of the closet one way. Like yeah. I liked her as the voice of of uh, reason there or experience. Yeah, that was so. Yeah, Dave, what would you score this one? I would say a minus. A like, minus. Yeah, right. that middle story didn't quite work, but uh, the rest of it was. Like, now, what really have I told great. you? There was a great Joker story right after that one. Would yeah. you want to read Gotham Central Volume Two? Yes, uh, I think uh, Semiel on Twitter was saying like that's one of his favorite comics so why so. don't i just bring that in tomorrow yeah. i don't have it in hand right actually hey let's just pantomime so dave i <laughs> oh. will hand you gotham central number two here ah thank you uh, and uh it's oops, so I just heavy. vomited on it oh, just like that uh... no uh i'll have to buy another one anyway yeah it's i will like lend you Punisher story i will end you gotham central two and so then you can read soft yeah, targets which the is first ever uh dave's homework 
uh, following up on yeah. the previous one. Because like, it's really good. Like it's Now that you've read the setup, yeah. the Joker story is the best it gets. There are other great stories after it, but the Joker story is the yeah. best one. Is it still the same team? Working on oh that yeah, one? the same okay. art. They they do it all through thirty seven yeah. issues. That's a, that's another thing I loved about it. the art is like it 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 fits a a comic that is not about the heroes. It's about mm. these cops, so it's gritty and it's like. Well, also, if you like that, the yeah. team brew not Greg Rucka, but Ed Brubaker, the writer and the artist Michael Lark yeah. went on to work on Daredevil in a very good yeah. run on Daredevil. All right, well, Dave, you've got your homework uh, set up. Mm-hmm. Let's get on to the question of the week. Uh, so last week's question of the week was, what's your favorite X-Men team? Out of all X-Men teams ever, what's your favorite one? Because we talked this shitload about X-Force, which, guys, the Superhero Spotlight version is up on YouTube now. You can give that a watch. But um, So first off was Shirking Off. Which, <laughs> which real quick, if, if even if you've listened to the episode already, oh, yeah. there's at least a visual component. So you'll yeah. see a lot of the panels and the covers that we're discussing. Yeah. So even if you heard it, it at least gives you a visual representation. When we talk specifically about how Warpath even looks dwarfed by Juggernaut, yeah. now you can see the picture of it. and yeah. Or you can see when Juggernaut gets stabbed in the eye, which yes. it is one of the most ridiculous panels yeah. I have ever seen. Yeah. Like it is, It looks like an EC Comics cover. It's like it's, ridiculous. It's, so, it's nuts. But anyway. Uh, so shirking off was the first responder they said I'm going to cheat and say the Great Lakes Avengers since they were briefly known as the Great Lakes X-Men after the Avengers threatened legal action for stealing their name I just love the dumb joke characters and absurd powers yeah Great Lakes Avengers is a really fun comedy comic it's where Squirrel Girl got popular again in the 2000s Mm. John Wiesel says, oh, man, this one is pretty tough. I really like the Fall of the Mutants team, as that was a storyline just wrapping up when I was a kid. And the Hunt for Professor X team was pretty cool, too, even with Marrow. But I got to say, the early 90s blue team was at every character I loved as a kid. Why would you ever choose another team? All it's missing is Nightcrawler. And that's a team with that with a team of Cyclops. Wolverine, Colossus, the cartoon Psylocke, ones. all the cartoon ones. Yeah. Kelshaw said, Reminder's uncanny X-Force team consisting of Wolverine, Psylocke, Archangel, Deadpool, and Phantom X is my all-time favorite. Having a smaller team really gave them all the time in the spotlight and really warmed me up to the characters I previously overlooked. For, a shame, for shame if you haven't read this comic. It's a modern classic. Raccoon Hale said, recency uh recency bias alert i really 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 enjoy the first iteration of the recent x-men team that was all women storm rachel gray kitty pride psylocke rogue jubilee i'm not a huge fan of the recent subtraction of kitty pride and rogue but i understand why it happened also the x-force kill team cyclops put together was fun archangel x-23 wolverine and warpath uh, Obi-Shan Kenobi said the original Excalibur, who wow. uh, somebody on the comments on my X-Force uh, or on the Colossus video really took offense to saying that it was a goofy run. I just didn't. I don't have much respect for the Excalibur line. But uh, Obi-Shan Kenobi says the original Excalibur. I started reading it because it had three of my favorite X-Men in it. Nightcrawler, Rachel Summers and Kitty Pride, my first comic crush. The stories are weird, but I really like Alan Davis's art. I still have a complete run, and the stories hold up since they almost take place. They almost all take place outside of the continuity, and the X-Men were 
thought dead at the time. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Batman Boy Eleven says Joss Whedon slash John Cassidy's astonishing X Men roster. That yeah. team is pretty much all my favorite X Men, and with my number one being Kitty, the focus of the team. Yeah, I would say the only one I love that's missing from that is Nightcrawler. Like that, I. I wish Nightcrawler was on that team, but everybody else I love is on that team, yes. Mm-hmm. And I like Psylocke fine, but I mean, the 80s ones are my favorite. I don't... They're, the 90s uh, creations are are a little below that. The era that I just can't get into at all is the, like, early 2000s when it's uh, quite Quietly or... Yeah, Frank Quietly. That, that era quietly. where they're wearing the big puffy coats and, like, <laughs> I, I don't... I just didn't know who half the characters were. And I wasn't reading X-Men or comics all that much at the time, and then when I jumped back in and got back in with like Daredevil and Marvel Max Punisher, actually, I'd be like, oh, what's going on with the X-Men? Who are any of these people? So I, I, that era I like that they had united uniforms and they all just like, I liked how leather, I like the new X-Men run. I think Grant Morrison did a fun. I, re- I ended up reading the end. I Planet X I read as it came yeah, out. So I was, saw like Magneto getting his head cut off and yes. blown up and Wolverine. And which was and, immediately wrecked. Yeah. And then like Wolverine and falling into the sun or whatever it yep. was like yep. I, I read all that but and then here comes tomorrow and all that stuff but but that's why i liked astonishing so much because it was like a okay these people i know mm-hmm. and oh and colossus is back and it even starts with a line in it where uh they get rid of their old costumes yeah we have look to costumes ast- where he said like yeah. we're superheroes we dress like them like well the, it's the it's the titular line we have to astonish them ah, like we can't just right, be yeah. we can't run around in black leather <laughs> and i think he may maybe make he might make a matrix joke even at the time because ah, which is a reverse of the joke from the 2000 movie yeah which yeah the 2000 movie is like yellow spandex and then now Legends they're like yellow spandex and then it's like just a few years later it's like that looks really dated for everyone to be in black leather and black <laughs> trench coats and matching uniforms it's like and then Cyclops says we have to like people aren't gonna there's no sense of wonder to this we just look like operatives like we we have mm-hmm. to astonish them and then it's a big splash page if they're all back in their colorful costumes it's so cool yeah all right so this week's question of the week talking about Batman 89 which is a continuation of a finished film franchise series what uh, film or TV show or cartoon uh, that stars comic book characters do you wish to see continued as a, in comic book form so i'll take the easy one here i'm gonna say the the nolan films it does the great handoff to robin or jgl's character yeah it's just like yeah now he takes over as batman and you can imagine all these batman adventures he's going to have but you never get to see them and yeah. so now this would be somebody could draw it just draw a dude that looks like jgl sure introduce more league of assassins guys you could also bring back the joker because he's not yeah, dead he die. Yeah. and yeah it, it's all the things you could get around that you didn't have to deal with with flesh and human bones huh i've been trying to think about this for a while and i can't think of anything because i feel like outside of nolan that mm. left the door open right a lot of them either like sucked and never got sequels so i don't want it i don't want anymore or Met some kind of resolution. Don't you want to see yeah. Toby Maguire coming back from his Abs- jazz hands? Absolutely I... not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know. I would actually say that just because I really love the first two Spider-Man movies and like the relationship between Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Like mm-hmm. I just that I wanted to see more of. I know, like the series even itself, as as bad as three was, it kind of ended things. Like, uh, like three. God, the ending of three. Just remember that it just ends that. with them like dancing together. Like every the other two ended yeah. with an amazing Spider-Man yeah. uh, action yeah. pose off, and this one you just ended with like 
like and you can tell off, you can tell like, no one wanted to make the movie yeah. so it just ended on a, such a sad it was note. so depressing and it's like the third one ended with like her coming back from a wedding and saying I love two you two ended with the, yeah. the wedding thing yeah and I'm like yeah I want to I want that to come back and yeah, I wanted I to see more of that yeah, yeah I'm struggling because even like maybe oh, they could just pretend three didn't happen and just start yeah. from two <laughs> but like even in Batman the Animated Series I'm like there was so much of it by the end and, yeah. and, and eventually did kind of have a real ending yeah, so yeah, I it, it feel really like, did. I mean, even Batman Beyond had a yeah. real ending, too. Well, I feel like all of it came together in whatever that Justice League episode was. Yeah, like, yeah. And it, there was also the, uh, I mean, I almost would have said X-Men 92, but that did have it an It did ending. get to live on. And Lois and Clark is garbage, and yeah. you don't want that to come back. I, I guess it might be fun to play to have like a four issue series of like the 60s spider-man cartoon yeah yeah because like did have a limited appearance in spider-verse yeah and web warriors they show up where like oh, yeah. uh which again that's they just, they fight the sinister yeah. six in that universe is practice it's a practice so. where they're like everyone here's a loser and and can't fight at all so mm-hmm. we just go ahead and practice and to have a, a batman 66 style thing where it's like spidey what is it 60 spider-man 68 or something, something like that nope, where it's not 69 we're just yeah we're just everyone <laughs> Everyone sucks, and like the art is off model all the time. And, and you don't draw webs beneath the no neckline. webs, and then like numerous panels are just one color. Like I think yeah. you could have a real play with the medium really well, and and same with uh like Spider Man, uh, the Toei Spider Man live action show too. They could Jesus. also continue that. Uh, all right, uh, so answer in the forums. There'll be a link to it on this week's episode page, which is episode 179, and you'll find that on lasertimepodcast.com, or you can just go directly to lasertimepodcast.com slash forums. And in the comic discussion page, there will be the question of the week, and you can reply, and we'll read our favorites on next week's episode. Uh, what a fun time this has been, guys, but why don't we talk about some plugs? Well, there's VG Empire, the video game music podcast that we've been doing for yeah, quite an for like 30 week. years. So yeah. uh, this week we actually talked about Hyrule Hits Volume 3. So that is oh. Zelda uh, talking about Twilight Princess, Link Between Worlds, Spirit Track, Skyward Sword. Um, this is obviously the third of three uh, Zelda episodes. Like The first one was three oh. years ago. So it's we, we space them out. I try not to do the obvious things too, too frequently, but in the, since Twilight Princess HD just came yeah. out, it seemed appropriate. The Triforce is complete. Yes. And there's also 302010, a weekly look back at the events of 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago, which means uh, 86, 96, and 06. So a lot of movies come What's up. What's coming lot. this time? What's well, I think this week, the, this episode that goes up, uh, the original Highlander oh, yes. movie came out 30 years ago this week. And may I also mention Talking Simpsons are chronological exploration of every episode of The Simpsons and this week's comic book fans you don't want to miss it it is three men in a comic book I dare say the first TV show to show you what a real comic convention looked like it's the one where Bart is hunting down issue number one of Radioactive Man it is one of my favorites and I geek out big time on it you got to give it a listen if you're not a regular listener good one. so good and I host Cheap Podcast, a pro wrestling podcast. Uh, actually, on the topic of wrestling, I wrote the top seven about Hulk Hogan this week uh, mm-hmm. and how he he's both copyright infringed on the Incredible Hulk and Captain America. <laughs> uh, and also, I know this week on the on uh, WWE, Ryback had a whole very boring promo on Raw about superheroes. Where oh, he wow. called, Dude, that he promo. called Kalisto Ant Man, and uh, I, I read the this. the Uproxx yeah. uh, like joke version of it, <laughs> and it was great. I watched the whole thing. I was like, this really is lasting forever. Like wow. Ryback shouldn't say words, and he definitely <laughs> shouldn't say, "I'm a superhero and I'm a real life superhero, and we're big." 
like me and you're a little guy. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. is not even as big as me, and I'm really big. And maybe I'm we big should uh, we'll play the clip maybe in Cheap Podcast. <laughs> it, it's a notable thing because a lot of people were wow. mentioning how like bizarre it. and bad it is. Yeah. All right, but anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, and as always, Excelsior. Excelsior.